reorientation of what our purpose is supposed to be. What are people saying about purpose? They said, here's how you know you will be operating in your purpose. If you're happy and if you're successful, what? your story is completely opposite. The Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. It's not always fancy. It's not always enviable. Our purpose is progressive. Our vocation is temporary. We have kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus from this podcast. Uh, for those of you listening, um, feel like we got to smoke what we're selling. You know, the, the whole th thought is rest, work, and theology. Well, if we're not resting well, I, this this is not priority. So that's kind of why we've taken a hiatus, but we're going to jump back in, going to try to get consistent. Um, Want to do a series on purpose and the significance of purpose, but I want to talk about it from a biblical perspective, because I think the thing about purpose is we can Americanize it easily, especially if when they're in the church, we, we start thinking about it in ways that aren't necessarily biblical. So that's how I want to frame the conversation is how can we advance a biblical worldview on the topic of purpose? Um, so dad, I'll just kick it to you. Uh, in the, your years of either counseling people or talking with people, I think they're are obviously misunderstandings of purpose, but what have you seen in people uh, and how have they misunderstood purpose? Well, so many people are looking for their purpose. What's my purpose in life? And certainly there are things that we can uh, find ourselves doing that gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling. But many times in scripture, we see, we see people following God's purpose and it not really aligning with their purpose. And so they're at cross purposes, you know. So for a believer, we need to make sure that we're trusting in God, believing in God, knowing that he has our best interests at heart. And so when I encourage others to seek for God, maybe they're struggling with their identity or struggling with the job position, their assignment in life, and they're just saying, I don't feel like my life is amounting to anything. I don't feel seen or noticed. I just want to first of all say, well, you're a child of God and you're known by God. And if you know that you're known by God and loved by God, then that's a foundation to build your life on, to have that sense of purpose, even though you may not be doing, doing, doing. It's about being, being a child of God, being loved by God. This is what fuels us on this journey to, to follow God's purpose. I feel like that is so helpful. And as I've been thinking about purpose, probably two weeks I've been thinking about it intently. Um, I have realized I've had a purpose complex over the years. Uh, I, weaved, I have weaved in and out of feeling confident in my purpose and not feeling confident in my purpose. But I think what you said hits the nail on the head um, in, in just my study the past couple of weeks is our purpose needs to flow from our security or mm. our identity. And you kind of mentioned that as our identity as children of God is what gives us value, not the things that we do. Um, do you ever, ha have you ever struggled with that personally over the years? Oh yeah. Every once in a while I hit a bump in the road and it just, I'll go back to square one and have to reacquaint myself with the gospel. Happened to me several years ago. And I tell you, I tell this story a lot, but just to to summarize it in this low moment where I, I was doing what I believed God was calling me to do, but I wasn't feeling those warm, fuzzy feelings. I wasn't feeling uh, like I was living a life of significance. As a matter of fact, my 
my ministry seemed to be growing smaller instead of bigger. And and I've, I was taking steps backward instead of forward. But God was doing a work in me, which was part of his purpose in making me into the man he wanted me to be. And I, you know, we, we look at the precious metal gold. If gold had a choice, it wouldn't choose to be put in the fire and have the slag and dross taken off of it and the purities burned out. You know, the 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 goldsmith knows the, that the purpose of this gold for it to have the value that it needs to have there has to be the heat and the fire and the you know so that all of these impurities can be taken away and that yeah. I believe that that's what God was yeah. doing in my yeah. life you know 12 14 years ago he was yeah. making me and I I didn't feel like I was fulfilling my purpose I felt the very opposite but Romans 8:32 became my key scripture that let me know that that if God would give his son, who he loved most, who he valued most, will, will not he freely give us all things, which means, you know, my life had worth if he sent his son for me. So anyway, that, that became another building block wow. for me to build my life on to say, you know what, I may not be at the you know, end of my journey. I may be in a very difficult spot, but you know what, God's purpose is being molded and formed in me to become, yeah, to become, not just to do. And I yeah. think that's, it's do versus become. Yeah. So many people are like, I got to do, do, do. I got to do all this stuff mm-hmm. in order to feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. Mm-hmm. And God said, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's about who are you becoming? Yeah. That's good. I think that's been a, a big theme in your life over the years. Uh, that's kind of undergirded a lot of the, the things that you have said. But um, one thing you just said that made me think of, so I did a a quick search on YouTube. What are people saying about purpose? One of the the videos I saw, they said, here's how you know you will be operating in your purpose if you're happy and if you're successful. And your story is completely opposite than that. And I can't help but see that that is such a a non-biblical way to view purpose. And this guy, I won't name his name, but he's a so-called Christian. He kind of fronts as a, um, a a man of God in, in a way. And that, is, yeah, that's so not what the gospel is. Christ said, if you follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Um, wh- why do we easily fall into that, especially in Christian world? Maybe someone's a nominal Christian and they kind of do the Christian thing, go to church, but why is it so easy to fall into that trap you think of believing that our purpose has to deal with happiness and success? Well, it's our sin nature. Um, It's the lie from Satan that goes all the way back to the garden. In other words, God had so much for Adam and Eve, and yet Satan caused them to question God's intent. In other words, God's really not a good God, so here's this other thing that you need to chase after. And I think the discontent comes from, you know, the our sinful nature, our Adamic nature. And we, we're not programmed to really believe that all things work together for good. You know, Romans 8, 28, mm. all things work together for good to them that love God and to mm. those who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so... So when I say it's all good, yeah. I mean that's countercultural. Everyone wouldn't say it's all good. I mean, I've got the I've got this bad happening in my life. Well, could it be that that bad is really meant for good? You look at the story of Joseph. I don't mean to run on here, but yeah. Joseph had this dream. God had put a, a purpose in him in mm-hmm. uh, these grandiose visions of greatness. 
uh, that God was going to use his life and his brothers were going to be bowing down to him and his father had given him a coat of many colors. And little did Joseph know that his purpose would include being sold by his brothers into slavery, working for a slave master, Potiphar, ended up being accused, falsely accused, mm-hmm. ended up in prison for seven years. Little did he know that that would really lead him mm-hmm. to his purpose. And and then at the end, we know the end of the story when his brothers were truly bowing down before mm-hmm. him as he was second in command in Egypt because he mm-hmm. had spared the whole land from famine. You know, he, he's, he's telling his brothers, hey, you know, I forgive you. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm-hmm. And so the world doesn't see how God can work through the bad, yeah. how God's purpose involves some difficult times. So if if purpose is not happiness and, and success, what are indicators you think, what do you think indi- are indicators that we can look for to see if we're operating in our purpose? Like if I'm, if I'm going to really think hard, how do I know if I am in my purpose? What would you say to that? We look at God's purpose is to bring many sons and daughters to glory. So... As it relates to the gospel, the scriptures, we see that Christ's purpose was to be born, live in this broken world, to come help people and to put others first and and put himself last, to actually die on the cross for the joy that was set before him, he endured. And so Hmm. I think we all need to look at areas where we see ourselves sacrificing Mm -hmm. for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. And it, maybe we would wish we were in their sick success and we're praying for the success of others and the good of others. We might be in a very low spot. I think we need to maybe have an aha moment, like in that space that we're in where we feel maligned or mistreated or undervalued. We say, okay, God, you know, maybe you're growing me in this moment. And the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, mm. that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So this joyful demeanor that we have in times of struggle, in these times of trial, struggle, we see God at work. And I, I believe in, in seeing God at work, and chipping away the, the the rough edges, we can celebrate, we can rejoice, and mm. that his his sovereign work is being done to beautify us, yeah. to per- perfect us, and and to use us for his glory. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm probably going to answer your question. Yeah, I think you are. Um, I'm going to pick apart some of the things you said, or, or not pick them apart, but clarify them. Um, you said his purpose, his glory. Well, uh, I'm forgetting the reference right now, but it says his will for us is our sanctification. So we, he wants us to become more glorious or Mm -hmm. or he wants to sanctify us and make us more like him. So that would be one thing that um, I think we could pull away as an indicator if we're operating in the purpose of God is, are we becoming more holy? You said it, more loving, self-sacrificial joy, you know, Mm -hmm. joy. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. See if I can remember them all. Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, what I miss. Yeah, you've got Lena and your daughter yeah. memorizing them. So yeah. she always, she gets them all except for faithfulness. I need to work on her faithfulness. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a, 
a helpful reminder to know if we're operating in the purpose of God. That was the other thing you said is it's God's purpose, not our purpose. Um, someone recently said it was Evan. Um, a lot of people won't know Evan, but he said he used to pray prayers that were sounded a lot like, God, here's my plan. Help me with this versus prayers we should pray should sound more like, God, what's your plan? I want to be part of that. Um, and just to see that in the Bible, and I'd like to point out a scripture uh, here in a second, but in the Bible, God has a master plan hmm. that he has been unfolding since the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, and we get to play roles in that. You know, I think about the body of Christ. We, we play a small role, um, but it's, it's his big plan. Yeah. It's not all of this me centric purpose. Like um, we live in such a individualistic culture. I think the church has um, taken this concept of purpose and almost played into that. And uh, within the church, we've we've thought our perp finding our purpose or discovering our purpose is a lot like finding the one in you know in a relationship. But it's uh, I think it's more um, dynamic than that. It's probably more painful. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about? even the concept of purpose versus vocation. Because I think that's been a struggle that I've had is if I'm not in the vocation that I feel like maybe is my purpose, I've had um, either anxiety or not quite depression, but um, just kind of a rift in mm -hmm. my yeah. myself that oh, I feel like I need to be doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to, to that? Like maybe the tension between vocation and purpose. This may take us on a rabbit trail, but there, there's, you know, there's a difference between occupation and vocation. The words themselves show that the word occupation has to do with your what you're hired to do. Vocation comes from the Latin, a Latin word voice, which, you know, indicates what we're called to do. You know, so, you know, God's calling sometimes doesn't always mean immediate rewards. You know, our vocation, people you know, I've used that term vocation as it relates to even my vocation is to pastor and preach on Sundays. But but actually, my calling goes deeper than what I do in the public eye. And I think that's what happens sometimes is that we we get addicted to what what we'd call a vocation or even a spiritual calling and connect it to what others see when we do what we do. And man, that's there's a two-edged sword there. There's sometimes there's a, it's, it's a, there's a reward. And then there's this huge uh, struggle that we can, that we can come up against, especially when we, when we suffer in the middle of doing mm. something that we're called to do. And mm. it's no fun anymore. It's, it's funny. Um, I can look over at someone who is not pastoring a church or not preaching and not having the, 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 the vocation of, Hey, call to be a pastor, but yet they're doing something that may be making them a lot of money and they're a business person and very mm -hmm. successful. In my low moments, I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to not have any money insecurities and I could mm -hmm. be doing that. Yeah. And that I've heard people talk that are on that side of thing that, that, that they're doing the business deals and they're, but they look at the life of a pastor. It's like, man, wouldn't it be great yeah. to do? So it's always the grass is the grass yeah. is always greener on the other side. So I think people need to be, confident and comfortable that where God has them, 
You know, like, for example, David, young David, was anointed to be king years Mm -hmm. before he became king. Mm -hmm. So he's king. Samuel anoints him in 1 Samuel 16 and 17. He's anointed, but he's he's, uh, maligned by his brothers. He's not really respected or understood by his father. King Saul is jealous of him. David spends years of his life running and hiding in caves, and he's really the anointed king. Yeah. And then when it comes down to a moment when he could actually take out King Saul, who Mm -hmm. was rejected by God, he chose to respect that authority, even though he was in a position where he was running from that authority Mm -hmm. and being abused by that authority. So I think that time of testing, and here I am going on a rabbit trail, trying to answer your question, but David... David's vocation was to eventually become the king of Israel, which mm-hmm. was going to bring glory to God. Yeah. You know, we see Jesus as the, the root of David and the seed of David. Mm-hmm. So there's this gospel connection. David, the man after God's own heart, went through some years, I mean, years of hardship yeah. and struggle and doubt and question. Yeah. God, where are you? You know, why have you forsaken me? You read the Psalms and you hear David's heart. Yeah. But he's just in his vocation, yeah. but it's not always. It's not always fancy. It's not always enviable, that position. What I hear you saying is that our purpose is progressive. Our vocation is temporary. So vocation changes over time, but purpose um, maybe is is more like a snowball that God is building and shaping and molding that it ends up becoming better and more like him. Really, it's just maybe just us, our being. Like you said, to take it back to the beginning, it's our purpose flows from our being who he's making to be more like him over over time. That's good. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. And, you know, there there's a debate that I've heard over time about purpose that, you know, people say, God gives you the freedom to choose whatever you want to do, like within a, a reasonable... Um, array of, of options. So obviously he's given us aptitudes and gifts for specific things. We, we have different skill sets. So within the range of what we're good at, he, he trusts us enough to, to do those type of things, which I, I kind of agree with some of the sentiment of that. Uh, what would you say? Like, do, do you think God maybe ordained specific on, on the topic of vocation as part of our purpose, ordain specific things for us to do? Or does he give us kind of a, hey, here's in in a general sense, the things that I've made you good at now, figure it out. What would you say to that? That's a little more tactical. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, I'd, say, I'd say yes and no. I mean, there's a, there's a big yes I want to say because, yeah, God, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. I I really believe that following God's purpose is not always unpleasant. And so he inclines our hearts to be tuned into certain things as it relates to even what we what we think we're choosing, you know, whether it be a career path or, you know, um, learning certain skills in college and being educated, whether, you know, someone going down the field of you know, being a lawyer, a doctor, a tradesman, a designer. Yeah. So there's certain skill sets that we have that that aligns with God's purpose because it's of the gifts he's placed in us, the yeah. people that he's made us to be. And so, but then I think 
along that line, God, God is, God is running alongside or leading that person to an ultimate end mm. that brings glory to his name through that skill set. Mm. So it's not just a sense of accomplishment and doing things in a worldly sense of like, I'm making the money, um, you know, making a name for myself. I've got my career path. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point does this bring glory to God? Um, I, I have an interesting thought on on that topic, and I want to point out two passages. One, I think a lot of people are familiar with. Another one, I think people aren't so familiar with. Uh, let me take a second and explain it. So the familiar one is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. The next verse says that you may, I'm going to butcher the exact phrasing, that you may um, call to me and find me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can see that he's saying, he's speaking to the group of people, Israel, who's in exile. And he's saying, I know the plans I have for you because you're my people plans to prosper you. Not And, but the point it says, so that you'll find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, the end goal, his plan is that they would find him. Well, there's a parallel passage that I think is interesting. It's Acts 17, um, verse 22 through 28. So I'll read it. It says, so verse 22, so Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, quote, to the unknown God, end quote. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. And this is the part I'm trying to get to. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Here, this is very much like Jeremiah 28, verse, uh, in, this is Acts 17, verse 27 that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us for in him, we live and move and have our being. I think the the parallels I'm seeing in those two passages is that one, it says he determines the allotted periods and boundaries of our dwelling places. And in Jeremiah 29, um, he had sent them into exile so it's related in the sense that he's sending them to a place. And it's also related in showing that his plan is that we should seek him and they should seek him and find him when they seek him with their whole heart. Um, I, th- I think that topic is interesting to think about the sovereignty in the hand of God of where and when we live in the context of what our purpose is. Um, hmm. I can't, I couldn't find, or I can't think of any, uh, passages in the Bible that would lead me to uh, to know more about God's maybe individual purpose for us, like uh, Lemuel, I want you to go be a carpenter or whatever. I don't see many scriptures like that, but this was an interesting one about yeah, His hand on time and place. What are your thoughts on 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 those two passages? 
in my interpretation of it. Do you think it's accurate or uh, anything you would add? Well, the Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, we all personalize that. And I feel like that, that it can be personalized, but he was speaking to a people group, to a large group of people. And that, yeah, he was preparing them to, to get over themselves and get over the struggle that they were about to go through the exile. And that he wanted, it was a reminder that he, you know, he was with them. Uh, they weren't alone. They weren't going to be forsaken. Um, he, you know, he, 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 they were on his radar, mm -hmm. if you please. I know the plans that I have for you. In other mm -hmm. words, um, this is not the time to give up or be fatalistic. Uh, you know, I'm basically bad things are happening and are going to happen, mm -hmm. but hang in there. And I think the Acts 17, you know, Paul talking to the Athenians at Mars Hill, just trying to help them understand that, that even though they may not be aware, there is a God who is sovereign. Mm -hmm who doesn't need us, but that he mm. loves us and is watching over us. Um, I think it should cause us to have great comfort because in our, in our lives, God will superimpose his will and his plan to where we're finding ourselves mm. in the middle of it. And that's, you know, a way wow. to just enjoy, enjoy life yeah. because God's in it. And that, I think we're, we're in, uh, let me just say this, you know, seeking for him, is another key is like when you're in the valley, when you're in your struggle, the simple search for him mm -hmm. in that is part of his purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. because in, in, in trying to find his purpose, we get to know him. Yeah. It's that is our purpose yeah. is to know him. It's not about doing something down in the future, out in the future. It's yeah. about, it's knowing him along the way. That's it's, good. it's being in, in an intimate relationship with the loving God. Yeah. I think that reorientation of what our purpose is supposed to be and to see God's plan for us to know him more just reminds me that the Bible, the gospel is a love story. Mm, yeah. And it reminds me of that quote that Tim Keller said, he, that God doesn't love us because we're serviceable to him. Mm. He just loves us because he loves us. Isn't that Come good? On, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but we need to rest in that. I, I mean, that, yeah, that's some good stuff. I love that quote. So what would you say to someone who doesn't feel like they know the vocation they're supposed to be doing, doesn't feel like they have a sense of purpose, and maybe feels aimless? Mm -hmm. How can someone move forward from that place? When someone acknowledges that they're in need and that they're lost or they feel a sense of Aimlessness or purposelessness, I think it's important to take that to the Lord. And we can talk about it with one another. We can go on our own search to try to find answers. But I think just the, the prayerfulness, let me go back to the seeking of the Lord, you know, seeking Him, praying, you know, praying, you know, this time of, of, of loss, There's, or this time of like, I'm, I, God, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating on what am I supposed to do? Maybe, you know, be still and know that he is God, hmm. you know, and it's not about us. It's about him. And if yeah. we can wait on the Lord, you know, waiting, you know, they say patience is a virtue. And so I pray for patience and I say, God, I want it now. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> that's a joke, but, but, but to wait until it's, you know, the right season, God has the timing. Um, and when it's his time, then that's when we shine for his glory. Yeah. Until then, 
there's obscurity, there's some walking in the darkness, there's some alone time. And, you know, we see other people successful and doing their thing. All the while, God is still with us. He hasn't abandoned us. And I think we have to trust that and have that relation, just develop that relationship with him. David did that. All those times in those years spending hiding in caves, he's wondering, where is his purpose? I thought I was supposed to be king. Yeah. Why am I, why God, are you, are you, are you real? That's when the Psalms were birthed yeah. in those times. You know, Handel's Messiah was not produced not written with robed choirs and cathedral organs playing in the background. No, it was in a Handel's Messiah. It was written in a prison cell. Hmm. And so I think sometimes our greatest gifts that we offer, that we'll offer the world, come from times of solitude and suffering hmm. and where we're waiting on God. That's good. I feel like we need to end it right there. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, to to be able to rest in... The purpose and plan of God, like you said, is freeing. Um, it's something that I've I've been trying to rest in more. Um, just because, like that verse we read earlier in Acts 17, and you pointed out, God doesn't need us. And yeah, if we could take that two ways, we could be like feeling insignificant, or we can realize that our value isn't based on what we do. Well, he doesn't need us, but he needs us to need him. Yeah. And, you know, it's, God doesn't need worship, but he knows we need it. Yeah. And so he knows what's best for us. And so what's best for us is for us to reach for him. And if we are rocking it and successful, sometimes we think we got it on our own. Well, and, I, when you said that, I also remembered that Satan can give people success. Yeah. You know, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. If you bow down and worship me. And I know there's a lot of people who just label some of that as conspiracy theory, but there might be people out there being blessed by Satan. Who knows? Maybe that's a, that's a topic yeah. for another day. But Well, you know, I'll, Psalmist Asaph was, he was envious when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he says, have I cleansed my heart in vain? In other words, have I done all of this for God and how come I'm still not successful? But then it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, it's like he had this paradigm shift, this epiphany, this aha moment. He understood their end. In other words, the, the wicked may be prospering now, but their end is not going to be good. Hmm. So the psalmist Asaph, I think it's in Psalm 74, basically say, okay, I'm able to to hang in here because I may not be prospering like the wicked prosper, but I'm no longer going to be envious. I, I see why I clean, I've cleansed my heart and I've chosen the path of righteousness because in the end that, you know, that lonely road of walking with Jesus is the word is, is the road less traveled, but the, the road that's worth, that's worthy of our interest to follow on. Hmm. That's so good. Thanks dad. Thanks for talking about purpose with me. Um, We'll keep it going. Well, yeah. next uh, next podcast hasn't been mapped out yet, so y'all just stay ready, stay waiting. We're also going to be uh, putting stuff out. This is going to go on YouTube, Spotify. Um, so go ahead and follow us if you haven't started already. Subscribe, all the things. Uh, appreciate you, Dad. Thanks for listening, y'all.